This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, if you're going to turn anywhere, we're probably going to start in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, as we have been talking the last, this is the third week, but as we've been talking the previous two weeks, we are ministering to the married. And the idea is that we want you to understand and know the qualities of a godly marriage, of a good marriage. Now, the idea here is that as we talk to the, them who are married, you've made your choice. You are now a believer who is in the midst of marriage. Let me say a couple of things here. Um, again, there's some things I want to get to, but I think there's some things that bear saying. First of all, when we talk to the, uh, the married, I know that I'm saying that that is the audience that we're trying to reach out to, but understand, God has something in it for those who are not married as well. You know, I think of um, when I came to this ministry, it was me and my wife, I was married, but I didn't have children. But every time they taught on parenting, you know who was there? Because I was gleaning I was learning, I was being prepared. And so hopefully you that are unmarried, you're taking this to heart as well. Now, to those that I'm ministering to about uh, marriage, those of you who are born again and married, uh, I wanna make sure you understand what, it, what I mean by a godly marriage. I'm not saying that you're gonna uh, be transformed into a marriage where you just sit around all day, gaze into the eyes of your spouse, and you know, passing bonbons one to another, or eating cheese and crackers with a little apple cider. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it shouldn't be it shouldn't be filled with a bunch of ah, nasty words, bad words. You shouldn't hate to come home. It shouldn't you shouldn't have physical problems or you know mental problems because of your marriage. You know you can actually have a marriage that you enjoy. God has richly given us all things that we might enjoy, and it is possible for you to enjoy your marriage. Now, now the idea is that now you're born again. You've made your choice. Now uh, it's time for you to make that vow good. Now it's time for you to make that marriage solid. And I want to make sure that we understood when we looked in uh, what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians about trouble. Uh, trouble is, is not a, a state of distress in your marriage. It's, it's just that you're going to have to face challenges that are common to marriages. It doesn't make marriages bad. It doesn't make one worse than the other. These are challenges that all marriages face and they're not evil in all honesty most of these challenges have nothing to do with anything that should lead to divorce amen said most of them i'm not saying that that all of them will not it depends on who you married and the decisions they made as well as the decision you make okay and so in order for you to have a godly marriage you have to understand these challenges are going to be there and so you're going to have to uh they're going to have to be some qualities at work you're going to have to employ some qualities in your marriage so that you might have a marriage that you can enjoy. Now, we talked about, and, and the idea behind this is so that we can see the qualities that need to be in place in a marriage. And uh, I want to go through these quickly, but we looked at the marriage definition. And understand when I say this definition, you've already made your choice. Sometimes we find out after we're in it. Okay. And when we're in it, we find out we didn't get in it the right way. It doesn't change what God intended, okay? And so when you hear this, you might say that, you know what, but that wasn't at the heart 
of my marriage when I got married. That's why we're talking to you now. Okay? And so the marriage definition is marriage is a divine institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents, a male and a female, who were born again. See, we lose some people there. Because a lot of times we don't think marriage is really for those who are born again. We think marriage is for anybody who likes one another and is willing to say, I do. Okay? But, but it's between two rational free moral agents, a male and a female, who are born again, who choose to enter into a covenant relationship with another imperfect person, and that for a lifetime. And I told you, even when we look at the um, marriage definition, I, I mentioned the vows. We may look at a few of those vows quickly uh, today. We'll see and be introduced to the qualities that need to be in place in a marriage. So the first thing we mentioned, the quality I mentioned, was being born again. And someone might say, yeah, but I'm not married to someone who's born again. You know, you're in it now. You made the vow. And, and the important thing about this is to, is to understand if you're born again, you have a direct line to God to seek him for wisdom who will provide you wisdom concerning your marriage if you seek it. And that's so critical. And so you might sit there thinking I might be unequally yoked. Yeah, but, but God has a line into that marriage through you. And so you be born again, not just in word, but in spirit and in truth and in deed. And you seek God. Seek God includes prayer, but it also includes abiding by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. So, so that's quality has to be in place. Then we said you need to be covenant minded, covenant minded. Remember, benefits are bound through the covenant. And so what you did is you have covenanted yourself. So you are going to give your spouse the benefits of your qualities. That's what you covenanted yourself to do. Again, get out the mindset of taking, be in the mindset of giving, of giving. You're in this covenant and now you're going to give the benefits of your qualities to who you've covenanted yourself with. And that for a lifetime. You've got to be covenant minded. And then we said, we looked at this and we came out of Ruth to add some uh, further validity to this is commitment. You've got to be committed. You've got to be in it all the way. <laughs> You've got to dedicate all of yourself to the fulfillment of your covenant. You've got to be in this no matter what. So you have in essence made a covenant that says that I'm with you no matter what. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to your spouse. You have to do your part. I will say this. If you don't do your part, you will not have a good marriage. Yeah, but they're not doing their part. It doesn't matter. If you don't do yours, it won't be good. So you've made a covenant that says that you're with them no matter what. And all this is in reason. Don't forget what I told you. Even though it's God's institution, don't confuse his institution with his reign. He still reigns. So once you're in the institution, if anything violates his reign, it's no good. So all of it has to be in the confines of the reign of God. Now, it probably would have been good to end this way last time, but I just didn't have the time. Uh, but just, to, uh, just so you can see how, how commitment is in the, the marriage ceremony, uh, when you are in a marriage ceremony and when you were in the marriage ceremony, you should have said something to the effect of you're going to take 
this person who is now your spouse to have and to hold from this day forward for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. You should have said that. See, that's commitment in itself. That means when the bank account is running low, I said, I'm, I'm, no matter what, I'm with you. When they're not as healthy and fit as they were when you first set eyes on them, you said, I'm covenanted to you no matter what. When it's not as smooth as it was when we first said I do, better or worse, you said I'm with you no matter what. So that's commitment. And here's the thing about it. I, I love what we did when we look, went over to Joshua 24. Remember when we went to Joshua 24 last time and we looked at Joshua telling them, you know what, uh, you really want to make a covenant with God? You really sure about that? Because you won't be able to keep it. You know, sometimes you'll get sick or he'll get sick. Not that God will, but, but the person you covenant to yourself will. They won't, they won't be the person that you wanted them to be. Sometimes they won't match your expectations. Sometimes it won't go so smooth. You sure about that? And they said, we're sure. We are sure. So he said, okay, I'm going to submit this covenant. And that's what you did. You made a vow before God. Now I'm talking to the believer in you. You made a vow before God that you're going to do your part. That quality has to be at work. That quality has to be at play. Now I'm going to say this from the marriage ceremony as well because I know how we change vows I say we I mean how we in this country with our freedoms get free from God and do our own thing uh, but I'm going to say this to the to you who are females so ideally when you got married the vow should have gone something like this do you take this man as your lawful wedded husband to live together in the holy estate of matrimony where he goes will you follow his God shall be your God. His people shall be your people. Will you love him, honor him, comfort him, keep him in sickness and in health, forsaking all others? Will you be true only to him as long as you live? Hmm. It should have gone something like that. You see, I love it because when he came out of Ruth and Ruth is set, set the establishment of covenant. It's like, no, covenant, covenant, you are committed till death and God is going to be your God. And, and as part of that, in the marriage ceremony, there are things such as love and honor. Wow. And that word, we really don't like to hear, follow. That should have been there. That's what you vowed before God. I know how we like to change those things. And to the, to the man, I'm going to say, you that are born again husbands, the vow should have gone something to this extent. Do you take whoever is now your wife as your lawful wedded wife to live together in the holy estate of matrimony? Will you love her? Will you honor her? Comfort her? Keep her in sickness and in health, forsaking all others? Will you be true only to her as long as you live? 
That's what you committed yourself to. And I, I know sometimes it's hard for us to imagine that we got a man married to a woman who isn't walking with the Lord. You know that happens because we messed up God's institution. But you're in it now. And you said, I do. And so we're going to try to remind you. And all, and all of what we said in the marriage definition and in these vows that I just read to you, there really are all the qualities you need. And to add to this further, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now bear with me. We're going to start at verse 22. I'm, I'm going to read to the end and then we're going to come back and solidify these things. Okay? Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Sometimes you just can't get past three little words. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I, I love it. Because what do we say at the beginning of this? Own your spouse. Because <laughs> they are your own and nobody else's. So wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Wow. Can I say it this way? You know, some of these things I want to come back to, but I got to say it this way. When it says, why submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord? I like that a lot of times we look at this and we think of position. And position is critical here, but also critical here is purpose. They're in that position for a purpose. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, if I remove them in my mind from that position, then the purpose is lost. So if I'm a wife who refuses to submit to that position, then I am missing out on the why. Amen. And if I am the man who says, no, I don't have to do it God's way, and she can do what she wants to do, and I'm not going to say anything about anything she does, then I'm going to miss out on the why. The purpose is not going to be fulfilled. So wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. That's position. Why? The position is head, but the why is savior of the body. Amen. Hallelujah. See, the benefits are in the covenant when you keep the covenant. So there's headship, there's order, but there are benefits in keeping the order. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Then husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why? I like this. God says, now, there's a reason behind this. 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Oh, I love that. That he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Wow, see, as I extend the love, I get the benefits. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife gets the benefits. He that loves his wife loveth himself. So ought men to love their wives as their own husbands. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. See, he owns us. So they're mine. <laughs> Amen. Doesn't that amaze you? Do we always act as though we're someone he ought to be proud of saying we're his? What a love. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So there are many qualities here, and we want to go through these qualities. And I'm not going to go through them necessarily in the order that they're given, but they're here. And the first quality I want you to see is love. Look at this in verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Understand this. No marriage covenant is complete without this element. <laughs> Amen. There's no marriage covenant that's complete without this element. Now, I, I really don't understand, you know, we're, we're coming up on Christmas time, and I really don't understand necessarily uh, the connection between Joseph and Mary as far as how they got betrothed and the arrangement between their families. I really don't know. And, and so in as much as it may have been arranged, he loved her. Even before they were actually consummated the marriage, he was minded to put her away privately when she was found to be pregnant. Wow. See, no marriage covenant is complete without this element called love. Now, love means I give you all of me. Now, we heard that in commitment. Love means I give you all of me because love answers why. Love is the because. Love means I give you all of me because I choose you above all others. Amen. I choose you above all others. That's love. This choice to be yours and for you to be mine, it's a choice. It means you have the benefit of all of me. I 
Again, I go back to Joshua chapter 24. And remember, he says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose. Choose who you're going to serve. Because so, there are many gods out there. Because and now he gets it all straight before he has them enter into covenant. It says, now you got choices. But once you make the choice, the choice is sealed. So you said, I choose you above all others. Hmm. So the choice, the choice, the choice to be yours and for you to be mine. It says, I love you so much, you get all of me. That's why. Because I chose you above all. I had options. If nothing else, if no one else was my suitor, I could have stayed alone. But I chose you over being alone. Love's choice should have brought you into the covenant. It should have brought you into the covenant. But it's the building of that love that will keep the covenant. You hear me? Love should have gotten you in it. But it's the building of that love that will keep the covenant. So even if you got married and love wasn't at the heart of you getting married, listen to me. Even when you got married, if at the time you got married, you lacked understanding. You lacked knowledge. And I'll be honest, you may have gotten married just because you wanted the sex. And let me tell you, married people learn some things. Even if they don't go to church, they find out that love is not sex after they enter into marriage. Because sex only goes so far. Sex only lasts so long. Then you got to get up and live. Then you got to live together. Then you got to be together. Then you got to get along together. And you find out that sex alone is not going to make you get along. So even if you did not get married and love wasn't at the center, here's my message to you. Make it so. Build the love. And someone might ask, how do I build the love? And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. You just got to do it. Why? You vowed before God. For better or for worse for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. You made that vow, and you're not a liar. I'm talking to the born-again individual. <laughs> you're not a liar. You're going to give yourself to it. You gave them, you covenanted yourself to give them the benefits of your qualities. You chose them when you could have been alone, but you chose them. And so I like this word in the Bible. It's a biblical word. It's called reckon. Yeah, because it comes to a point in time where it's all laid out and you're just going to have to reckon. And, you know, and it's not a Texan word, not a Southern word. It means you're going to have to just make it yours. <laughs> and here's the thing. Once you make it yours in your mind, then the actions will follow. You see, once you reckon that, you know what, you are my choice. <laughs> you are my choice. I'm going to make you my choice today. You're going to be my choice tomorrow. I might as well make it good. See, I reckon that. And see, once I reckon that, then you know what will start to happen? I will probably start doing things that please you. 
Since we've got to make it work. Hallelujah. I'm talking to you. Well, they don't do this for me. Well, well again, here's the thing. I love this. Why are we supposed to love? I'm sorry. Let's go back because it says it plainly here. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. In other words, he's clean. The church is not. And he says the way to making the church presentable before me is me loving the church and not me waiting for the church to get right. See, the benefits are in the covenant if you keep the covenant. And so you've got to reckon and you've got to love. I give you all of me because I choose you above all others. Amen. That's your prime choice. <laughs> you meet lovers. That's your prime choice. <laughs> That's your cut of meat. You had, you had all other cuts of meats out there in the grocery store. But you said, this cut is the cut I choose. This is the cut I take home. This cut is mine. Hmm. In this relationship between Christ and the church, a lot of things will fail. I love it. A lot of things are going to fail. See, prophecies will fail. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will vanish away, but love will never fail. <laughs> See, we're learning from Christ and the church. See, because that's the model we're cut out of in marriage. It is love that is the why behind his mercy towards us. Uh, did, did you hear that? It's love that's behind the why. I think we heard this on Wednesday night because we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh and in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we walked therein and were by nature children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy. Why is he rich in mercy? For his great love. Wherewith he loved us. Wow, he, he chose us. And we weren't all that. But because he chose us, he has a wealth of mercy. Because he chose us, his tender mercies are new every morning. No, no, listen to this. We're talking about having a godly marriage. We're talking about qualities. And so love has got to be there. For us, it's love that lets you brush it off. Whatever it is. Love lets you brush it off. Listen, there are times when your spouse will do things that can get you downright hot. Can make you angry hot. Can enter into bitterness hot. See, but love is the mercy water. Pour it on the heat of that situation. Amen. <laughs> love says we can replace it. Love says that's replaceable. Yeah, you know, love says, yeah, we should have had insurance on it. 
but we'll learn next time. <laughs> That's love. You're my choice. See, again, remember, this is, I'm talking to the born-again believer. You are in a covenant with the living God. What did you do so, that was so great that God said, oh, I, I love you because you're great? No, I just chose you. And you keep proving that it ain't about your works. <laughs> it's about his choice because our works keep falling short. But his love never fails. Look at this in verse 33. You got to push on. But the word of God is good. Ephesians 5 and 33. See, when we look at marriage, you know, a lot of times we get in the, in the mindset, marriage, oh, me, marriage, me. No, this is about Christ in the church. We just got in on the goodness on a level we can understand. Verse 33. That last section. And the wife. See that she reverence her husband. Reverence, that's the next quality. Reverence, also known as honor. Also known as honor. Now keep your finger there, and I want you to see this in First Peter chapter 3. Honor. Why well, I see that you honor your husbands. First Peter chapter 3. Hmm. Verse number 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor, giving honor, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Don't get it twisted. Honor works both ways. And that's why in the marriage vows, both of them have to say, do you honor? Will you honor? Will you honor this your to-be wife. Will you honor this, your to-be husband? See, honor works both ways. Don't get it twisted. Here's honor. Honor says, how do I define honor? It means given or regarded, held in high esteem, or high recognition. That's honor. Given high esteem or regarded in high esteem. Held in, placed in high esteem. Given high recognition. Regarded with high recognition. Held with high recognition. That's honor. So in marriage, this means I hold you high with great respect and give you benefits and privileges that make you aware that you are special above others. Glory to your name. That's honor. That's honor. Hmm. It means I hold you high with great respect and give you benefits and privileges that make you aware that you are special above others. See, we are his peculiar people. Peculiar means his own special. His own special, not just his own, but his own special people. 
we're honored by our Savior. We're his own special people. Not because we've done good, but because he chose us. And it's hard not to reciprocate when, some you, when someone loves you that way. Just so hard not to reciprocate. I mean, you do everything wrong, but they treat you so well. They make you feel special. Ha, huh. glory to your name. That's our God. And we're to reflect that in our marriages. So I hold you high with great respect and give you benefits and privileges that make you aware that you are special above others. In other words, everybody doesn't get these benefits and privileges. <laughs> See, everybody doesn't get my attention. You know, I'll be honest with you. When I come home, I expect attention. Because <laughs> I think I'm special. Right, and when you come home, I'm, I'm talking to my wife, when you come home, you know, well, okay, you got it. <laughs> you know, because you're special like that. In other words, if I'm in a, a, just in a common conversation and my wife walks up, well, then my attention turns to, wife, what do you need? <laughs> wife, what do you want? You know, and, and, I, and I'll say this to you who are born again ladies, you know, it's a sad thing to be on the phone talking to your buddies and pals when your husband comes in. Well, he's not born again. I, I, I'm talking about you doing your work. He doesn't give it to me. No, no, you, you got this twisted. You see, we're looking at Christ in the church. It's a great mystery, but it sure does work. See, everybody didn't get these privileges. You, you know, no, if the average Joe walked in while I'm on my conversation with my friends, well, my conversation keeps going. But you, I stop. I got to go. See, no one gets, not everybody gets these affections that I give you. Oh, they need a massage. They're going to have to find somebody to give them a massage. But you, <laughs> I'm here for you, baby. <laughs> I don't hold everybody's hands. See, I don't give these show of affections to just anybody. It lets you know that you're special. You know, some things we do just as gentlemen, but some things, no, affections belong only to my wife. Why submit yourself to your own husband's? There's some things that only your husband gets. Benefits and privileges, special treatment. They get patience others don't get from you. You know, you know the kind of stuff you did when you dated? Amen. I talk to the married now. See, because the unmarried can't. Nah, what you talking about? We'll always be this way. I'll always massage him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I always rub his back. Amen. You know, some married people are like, you know, we always do that. Some people are like, what you talking about? <laughs> Amen. Now, 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 here we go. See, see because, hallelujah to your name. Because some things we drop once we get married. Like makeup. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I go there? I'm like, uh, baths? Before you see one another. Now, brothers and sisters, now they see the real me, and they got to take me in my must, but not my spouse. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. It's just real. 
It's just real. And I'm talking about you. Because you might be sitting up and thinking, yeah, they do that. What What do you do? What have you forsaken? But honor. I hold you high with great respect and give you benefits and privileges that make you aware that you are special above others. Hmm. Special attention, special affection, special treatment, patience that others don't get from me. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 5. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Look at this in verse 24. Let's do this quickly. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. <sighs> Quality. Subjection. It's got to be submission. Subjection, submission, same thing. So here's the quality. You must be submitted. No longer is, is it, not only is it no longer you and you alone, you now become secondary. Trust God. That's all I can say. Trust God. As much as you fight, you know, you can go into the world and get this kind of counsel, but you won't get it. And the counsel you do get from them, you'll find out you need to trust God. Because <laughs> those counsels will fail. But it's his, it's his institution. He knows how it works. He's laid it out before you. And as much as you got into it and didn't understand it, now you're finding out. I thought it was going to be all about me. I thought I was going to be first. No, no. No longer is it not only you, you become secondary. In other words, it's no longer about you. You may have been spoiled as a child, but now you're in God's institution. And whereas before it was all about you, this is why we said at the beginning, you know, you got to grow up. You got to grow up. It's time to grow up. If you're going to make the marriage good. Submission. Understand God being the head of both male and female. All men taking his place under Christ and the wife taking her place under her husband in the Lord. That's what we mean by submission. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I would have you to know the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman, that would be the wife, is the man, that would be the husband. And the head of Christ, the son, is God the Father. That's how it works. Here's submission. I want you to understand this about submission. It is a form of honor. It is a high form of of honor. Submission says, I esteem you, I honor you by willingly taking a lower position 
and letting you occupy a higher position. I will turn back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Well, I say that again. I esteem you, I honor you by willingly, I willingly take a lower position and I let you occupy a higher position. Oh, did you, did you catch those words? You can't make me. You ain't got that kind of power. <laughs> so I willingly must take the lower position and I let you occupy a higher position. See, that's honor. That's a high form of honor. It's not about who's better. Husbands, inasmuch as God has established the line of authority in the household, the family, understand this. She's letting you occupy a higher position. See, to the born-again wives, let them occupy the higher position. It's not about who's better. It's not about who's smarter. It's about how this thing works. See, see when you keep the covenants, the benefits come from the covenant. Husbands, born-again husbands, understand, a woman does not need a husband to be whole or to make it. So don't get too comfortable. Don't get too full of yourself. <laughs> she doesn't need you like that. If you weren't in that position, a good wife could make it. And if you mistreat her, a smart wife will say, I will take that position back. <laughs> Because I can do bad all by myself, but I'm probably going to do better. So husbands, that means a good wife is that much more worthy of praise. See, a good wife, she's sitting up there, she is giving you a high form of honor, letting you occupy the higher position. Because <laughs> she couldn't make it without you. But you got one who fears God. That makes a worthy of praise. Because you're not all that. Had to throw that in there. Husbands, you're not all that. You're not that kind of ruling king. They let you occupy that position. And that's a high form of honor. That's why in 1 Peter 3 and 7, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. See, see this is the knowledge you need. <laughs> Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. See, here's the knowledge. She's letting you occupy the higher position. You're not all that. But she submitted in the Lord. And all the goodness in the marriage that comes from that, it's because she occupies that position. Oh, that's sweet. Ah, I wish we had more time to go into that. But the last thing I want to leave you with, Quality is faithfulness. Even though it's not explicitly stated in Ephesians 5, even though it's not explicitly stated in Ruth, faithfulness is critical. It's quality that must be there. Wow. Turn to this Psalms 89. Psalms 89 real quick. Psalms 89. I will say this, Psalms 89. All right, let's read this and then I'll say that. It is implied in the character of Christ. 
that we need to be faithful. Remember the first quality we went over is being born again. Which means that you are headed, you are being sanctified, you are being moved to a position of the same character as the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's implied in the character of Christ that faithfulness is going to have to be a quality that's at work in this marriage. Your faithfulness. Psalms 89 verse oh here it is I don't know why I missed this verse verse 3 Psalms 89 verse 3 God says I have made a covenant with my chosen I have sworn unto David my servant God says I entered to a covenant do you catch what he said who did he enter into covenant with his chosen the one I chose so he entered into covenant with somebody he chose he swore unto David and look at this in verse 30. Why don't I see it? Verse 34. It's right there. He goes on to say about his covenant. My covenant will I not break. Nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. The character of Christ is faithful to the covenant. God said I made a covenant with somebody I chose. I'm faithful to it. Now, being a born-again believer, you made a covenant with somebody you chose. I didn't know they were like this, but you made a covenant with somebody you chose. And now the character of Christ demands that you be faithful to it. So when I say integrity, I have to finish here. And saying, when I say you need to be faithful, what I'm saying is you need to have integrity. That's the plain and simpleness of it. You need to have integrity in your marriage. This is something that we were taught a few Wednesdays ago, and I want to repeat it. A covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the parties involved in the covenant process. It's only as good as the integrity of the parties involved in the covenant process. So again, I tell you, if you don't do your part, if you don't do what is required of you, if you're not the one with integrity, there is no hope for the marriage. But let me say this again. Challenges are there in every marriage. You might think you don't have a good marriage. You might think somebody else has a good marriage, but I guarantee you, you have challenges in common. The difference is what qualities are at work, what qualities are in place. I'm out of time. I thank you for your attention. Hear the word of God. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.